Good morning, awesome, beautiful day to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. As we see life bursting forth all around about us, oh, it's wonderful. How many of y'all got up real early and saw the sunrise this morning? 
All the guys who are dozing right now, I think. Okay. All right. It was beautiful out there. Really was. <clears throat> well, I'd like to share a, well, something I, I came across, an article. Um, these three men were discussing a topic that quite often is a kind of a taboo. People don't really like to talk about it too much. But these uh, buddies were discussing death. And uh, one, he asked the group, what would you like people to say about you at your funeral? And whether you've talked about it or not, you know, you've probably thought about it. And one guy, he said, well, what he would like to be said about him is that he was a great humanitarian who cared about his community. Another guy said, he'd like said about him that he was a great husband and a father who was an example, you know, to, to many, you know. And the third guy said, I'd like people to say, look, he's moving. <laughs> and see, that's what we're celebrating today is that Christ started moving in the tomb. Although you had trained Roman guards there to prevent anybody from stealing the body. You know, but nobody could stop Jesus from moving and rising from the dead. That's just the way it is. And his resurrection, it changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has, has changed the course of history and it changes our lives for the better. I would like to read you a few passages uh, this morning about the witnesses who saw Jesus. Testimony of those who saw him um, after he had been crucified, after he had died, after he had risen from the dead. And it starts off here in Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Saturday evening... When the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary, the mother of Jesus, went out to purchase burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. When, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. <laughs> he is risen from the dead! Exclamation mark. He is risen from the dead. Look. This is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples. Now go and tell. I don't know if, if you had it or not here in New England, but when I was a kid, a child in school years ago, when you'd be gone for the weekend, you come back on Monday, they had a little thing they called show and tell. You ever do that? Yeah. Yeah, you went to the beach, you brought a seashell, you came back, you showed it, you told about your little outing and all. And that's kind of what he's saying here. Now go, go and show what Christ 
what happened to him, but what he's doing in you. Go and tell and show people what is going on, this resurrection power. But he said, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Was Peter one of his disciples? He said, his disciples. But you know, Peter had a real issue going on because he had promised Jesus. He said, I will never. Everybody else might leave you, but I'll never leave you. I, I, I will die for you if need be. You remember that, that day? Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. A little servant, he denied him three different times. Oh, you, oh no, I don't know the man. He even swore. Can you imagine the guilt, the shame that was in him? So when God sent an angel to tell these guys that he was going to be in Galilee, he said, go tell my disciples, including Peter. Have you ever done something that you're, you're not proud of, that you're ashamed of? You know, you, you know how it feels. It's just like you feel guilty. If something bad happens in your life, you kind of go, that's probably because of that what I did once upon a time. And that, that's, God tries to cure that in us. Forgive us. He said, you tell Peter. He's not disqualified from serving me. He's not disqualified. Go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you before he died. You can trust what Jesus says back in those days, but you can trust what he says to us in this day and time as well. And it says, now, the women had seen the tomb. They saw the stone move. They saw it was empty. There was a guy with a white robe on sitting in there talking to them. And it says in verse 8, the women fled from the tomb. They're trembling, bewildered. They were confused. You know, they were Puzzled. I mean, they were dazed. I mean, it's like, well, what is going on here? And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And then after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him alive was Mary Magdalene. Now, she had been there at the tomb, but she didn't see him at that time. But now she sees him. Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom... Jesus had cast out seven demons. A woman who had, had tremendous despair and hopelessness, who had been miserably tormented by demonic powers, and Jesus cast them out. What love she had for him. What a grateful heart she had. And she is the very first one who saw Jesus alive after he had risen from the dead. And after she saw him, no longer was she grieving Oh, there might have still been some weeping, some tears, but they were tears for joy now, not sorrow. And she probably had like, you know, half price off of all these embalming spices because she didn't need them no more because she was alive. So in verse 10, she went to the disciples who were grieving and they were still weeping and she told them what had happened. But, but when she told them that, that, that Jesus was alive, and that she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Ah, just an emotional woman, you know? They didn't believe what she said. Verse 12 says, Afterwards he appeared in front, uh, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country, 
and they rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. Here is an event that has changed history. It's transforming men, women, boys, and girls forever. And the disciples who had been told that Jesus would rise from the dead, they did not believe. It says here in verse 14, still later, he appeared to 11 disciples. You know who was missing? It wasn't Judas. Anybody else remember? Thomas. Uh, What do they call him? Doubting Thomas. Now, I'm a believing Thomas, just so you don't get me mixed up with him, okay? It says here, still later he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together, and he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief. Sometimes unbelief is a choice. Stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. You remember what Thomas said? He said, I will not believe. You remember? I will not believe until I see the, the, the scars in his hands and, 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 and the cut in his side where the spear went in. And I place my hand in that cut. I will not believe until then. A stubborn unbelief. Verse 15 it says, And then he told them, Jesus is telling them, he reprimanded them for not believing. He said, guys, don't you remember I told you this? And then he told them, you go. You go into all the world. And you preach the good news to everyone. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. There is no heaven for a person who refuses to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, that's a surprise, maybe it's a shock, but that is a condition. In order for us to have our names written in the book of life, we must believe that Jesus suffered and paid for our sins and afterwards was risen from the dead. That's what he says. And he says here, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. That's what Jesus said. It is absolutely a must to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And and do you believe? Do you believe? That is the ingredient that is so important to believe in that resurrection from the dead and, and to believe everything that he tells us in his word. He goes on to say here in verse 17, he says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. There's miraculous signs will, will follow, will accompany all believers in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You qualify. You said, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons for those who believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. He says, in my name they'll speak in new languages. Uh, they'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, now that doesn't mean, oh, we'll go out and start playing with poison snakes. That's not what it means. You remember one of the, the, the disciples had uh, shipwrecked and he was building a fire to get everybody warmed up after that and there was a snake in the firewood, you know, and came out and bit him and everybody's going, oh, he must have been an evil man. You know, he, he, he survived the shipwreck, but now 
Nah, judgment. And they kept waiting because they knew this was a highly venomous snake. He shook it off in the fire. And, and the poison had no effect upon him. And that's what it's talking about. He said, these signs shall follow those who believe. They'll, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick. And they will be healed. That, that, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, it sounds almost unbelievable. But the Bible tells us these kinds of things follow those who believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because God is looking for a conduit for his power to flow through. That's what he's I mean, men and women who, who live like Jesus did. And he goes on to say in verse 19, And when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and they, they preached, telling people about the good news about Christ. And the Lord worked through them as he wants to work through you. He wants to work through you, you who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He worked through them confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. And I'm telling you, for those who believe in the resurrection power of Jesus, miracles is not over with. Did you know that we still live in a time that miracles can happen? Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. Now, let me pick back up here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. It says, friends, let me go over the message with you one final time. The message that I proclaimed and that you made your own, this message on which you took your stand and by which your life has been saved. This message, it changes everything. He said, I'm going to go over with you one more time. I'm assuming now that your belief was the real thing and not a passing fancy and that you're in this for good and, and you're holding fast. I've got a question for you here this morning. How many of you here unapologetically, unashamed, uh, by the raise of your hand in just a moment, would say that I do believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the day? Just raise your hand. Awesome. You put your hands right down. And all you guys watching online, if it doesn't seem too crazy to the people around you that you're raising your hand looking at a television or a computer, do that, okay? All right. So think about this for a moment. How many of you who believe in the resurrection have put your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Just raise your hand. And put your hand right down. Now, how many of you would say that I do believe in the resurrection and I, I have trusted Christ as my personal Savior for more than a month. Okay, put your hands back. Now, if you accepted Christ yesterday, that's awesome, that's fantastic. It has nothing to do with the amount of time, but I'm just trying to kind of gauge that. So how many people here today would say that I have put my trust in Jesus as my personal Savior for more than a year? Okay, awesome, put your hand back. Okay, who would say that I not, I not only believe in the resurrection, but I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for more than five years? Awesome. So think about it for a moment. Who would say here unapologetically that I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and I have put my trust in Jesus as my personal Savior for more than 10 years? 
Who would say that I have put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for more than 15 years? Put it on back down. Okay, now think about this. I know some of you got to do some adding and subtracting and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Who has put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? What was my number? For more than 20 years. It's awesome. But who would say that I have believed in the resurrection and put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for more than 25 years? For more than 30 years? Okay. I see those hands are going up really slow because you're. This is the older folks. So help them if you see them trying to get their arm up there. Help me. I'm in this crowd too, okay? I was up early. It's my fourth service. Help me. Maybe I should get me a chair. What, what number did I have? Who would be unashamed to say that I do believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I have put my trust in Christ as my personal Savior for more than 35 years? Okay, the hands are up, but they're not up far. Who would say that I have put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for more than 40 years? Awesome. There's still a lot of hands going up there. And I see you guys watching your computer. Awesome. Who would say that I put my trust in Jesus for more than 45 years? Folks, y'all help them get their arms up, okay? Who would say that I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for more than 50 years? There's still hands going up. Who would say that I put my trust in Christ for more than 60 years? Awesome. That's awesome. Give him a hand. It's wonderful. Awesome. Who would say that I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for more than 70 years? There are several of you here. My, my mom is one of those. Now, she's uh, 85. Is that right? And how, how old were you when you put your trust in Jesus as your Savior? Six years old. So she's been believing, believing in him as her Savior for 79 years. And all these others, more than, probably some of them, over 100. But what I'm trying to say, Awesome. But what I'm trying to tell you is that God has not extinguished the resurrection power. And, and not only did he save these individuals many years ago, but his grace has been sufficient to see them through to this very day. And that resurrection power, it changes things. It changes everything. It genuinely does. Let, let me pick back up here where we were reading in 1 Corinthians 15. Let me pick up in verse 3. And it says, the first thing I did was placed before you what was placed so emphatically before me that the Messiah, Jesus, he died for our sins exactly as the Scriptures tells us. And God's Word can be absolutely trusted. And when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you get a mulligan. Now, can anybody tell me what sport uses the term mulligan? 
golf. And, and, and a mulligan is when you're out there and, 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 and you really make a bad shot and it goes, It doesn't, a mulligan, that means it don't count. It, 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 it's not recorded against you, and, and you get a do-over. You get another shot. You get another chance. And when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you get a mulligan. You get another chance. And I'll reemphasize this. I've said it so many times, but not a second chance. Because you used that up a long time ago. Is that right? But you get another chance. God is merciful and he's gracious and he cares about you. And that's why Jesus went to the cross and he paid for your sins. And that's why he rose from the dead. Picking up here in verse uh, 4, it says, back there it said in verse 3, it said that he died for our sins exactly as the scriptures tell us. And verse 4 says that he was buried and that he was raised from death on the third day, again, exactly as the scriptures say. And then on in verse 5 it says, and that he was seen. He was seen. People saw him. Uh, Cephas. And I'm talking about Peter. He was seen by Cephas. And then uh, he was seen by the, the 12, you know, his closest followers. After that he was seen, and when I say seen, not in a tomb, he was seen alive of above 500 brethren. I mean, this is some of his followers. At once, over 500 had seen him. And, and uh, this keeps reminding me of a movie we watched this past week. If you get a chance to go to the theater, there's an awesome movie. It's called The Case for Christ. A fellow by the name of Lee Stroll. I had the privilege of meeting him, and he wrote the book, but then the movie is about him. It's an awesome book. But the, the thing is, those who are professionals in the study and the understanding of the mind would tell you it's, it's much more plausible to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead than to believe that 500 people w would say that they saw him alive after he had died if, if, if he had not. It's more believable in the resurrection than it is to believe that 500 people would say the same thing like that. I mean, there is scientific documentation. This is one of the most well-documented things ever in this world that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Anyhow, 500 people had seen him after his resurrection. Verse 7, it goes on to say, After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Now, Thomas was with them here. Hmm. Thomas was with them. It says, he was seen of all the apostles. Remember, Thomas? I'm not going to believe unless I see it myself, unless I put my hand on his side. And Jesus said, come here, Thomas. Look and, and, and touch me. And Thomas, he, oh, my Lord, oh, my God. Jesus met him right where he was at. In verse 8, it says, and last of all, Jesus was seen alive of me also. Verse 9 says, It was fitting that I bring up the rear. I don't deserve to be included in that inner circle. As you well know, this is Paul, whose name was Saul earlier. He says, As you well know, having spent all those early years trying my best to stamp God's church right out of existence, 
But because God was so gracious, so very generous, here I am. And I'm not about to let his grace go to waste. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changes things. It changes people. It's changed the course of history. You know, when, when Jesus was crucified, you, you read the documentation of this. When Jesus was crucified in the temple, there was a veil that was, uh, you know, stretched out so no one could go past the veil into the Holy of Holies, the place that only the high priest could go once a year to offer a sacrifice. And they would usually tie a rope onto the high priest's leg and they would have a bell on it. And while he was there, he was jingling it. And, and in case he wasn't clean enough and right with God and he would be struck dead, they, they couldn't go in and get him. They, they would drag him out by the rope. But the Bible says that when Jesus was crucified, uh, the, the veil that was nine foot tall, it was torn from top to bottom. No human could have torn it that way. We would have torn it from the bottom to the top. But it was torn letting us know that no longer do you need a priest or somebody to go to God on your behalf. You're welcome to come in yourself, you see. And I don't know if you understand this, but historically, and it's right there in your Bible, that in the Old Testament it said that no priest, especially the high priest, you know, he, he was supposed to be disciplined and control things and, and his anger and whatever, but no priest who ever tore his garment would say in the priest that he was disqualified from being a priest. Did you know that? And, and, and your Bible tells you that as the, the priest was looking in Jesus' face, and he was just aggravated, and, and he was responsible for having him crucified, and he was aggravated, and it says that the, the priest, as he's looking in the face of Jesus Christ, he ripped his garments, even unknown to him at that time, disqualifying him from the priesthood as he looked upon the face of the true prince, the, the priest the high priest, our savior, our king, our everything. And never again do you have to have a, a, a human, a man to go to God on your behalf. We have been invited through Jesus Christ to come into the presence of God. No one's here or somebody else goes, but we can go into his presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year, every day as long as you live. You can go into the presence of God. You have been invited in because of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and then because he rose from the dead. He tells us here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper. You know, it's like communion. It said, and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the master himself and passed them on to you. The master Jesus, on the night that he was of his betrayal, he took bread, verse 24 says, and having given thanks for it, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And, and then, then what did he say? Let's read it together. Do this to remember me. That's what communion was set up for the Last Supper, so we would remember the price that was paid. <clears throat> and then he says, in verse 25, and after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. Now, you know, I came to know Christ in a personal way back during the Jesus movement, you know, back in the 70s. I don't know if you all ever heard of that. But 
That was when I came to know Christ in a personal way. And we were kind of long-haired people sitting around campfires with guitars and, you know, looking kind of weird and stuff, but we loved Jesus. And, and we did some very interesting things. And sometimes, well, let me ask you, has anybody here ever had communion in your own home? Without me? It's okay to have communion in your home with just your family. Now, lots of people say, no, you have to have clergy. Uh, I didn't see that in the Bible. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And anyhow, as kids, and we, we wouldn't have communion because we were worshiping him and living for him and totally sold out to him. And, and what we had available to have communion with was potato chips and Pepsi. Now, you think God was upset about that? It's just like, that's what we had, and our whole heart was to remember him, what he had done for us. His body was broken, and he shed his blood for us. Well, just so you know, and this is what we do here. When we have communion, we have communion every month or so, you know. And when we have communion together here, uh, we serve grape juice. There's no alcohol in it, just so you know. And, and some people... Bustle and argue with me about it. It's like, listen, it ain't all about you. You know, I've had so many people over the years come to me and say, Pastor Ron, I wish I could take communion, but I've had some real evil situations in my life with alcohol, and I can't afford to touch one drop because it, it just sets me off. And I said, well, listen, as long as I live, you'll never see alcohol served in communion here. And it's because I don't want a brother or sister to stumble, do you? So is that okay with you guys? I mean, I could start serving Pepsi instead, you know. <laughs> but the whole deal here, you see, we need to understand, and he's trying to make this clear. He's instructing us. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And, and as we continue this verse, uh, in verse 25, it says, after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup, he said, is my blood, my new covenant with you. And this new covenant, it changes everything it changes everything i'm not under the old covenant i've been forgiven and i've been invited into the presence of god anytime i need him go boldly to the throne of grace where we can obtain grace and mercy to help us in our time of need that's what the bible says you see we've been invited there and he goes on to say here in the last part of verse 25 it says each time you drink this cup remember me remember me and he goes on to verse 26 says what you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. And he's coming back for us. That's absolutely, positively for sure. But see, what we have, the disciples didn't have, we have in our history that Jesus rose from the dead. See, Jesus was with them. He hadn't been crucified yet. They didn't know. So there's something that we have that has a tremendous power and a joy in it as we celebrate communion, whether it's here in our church or it's in our home, that we know he rose from the dead. And, and uh, our ushers will be at the door for you, you know, and give you this little uh, package right here. And uh, you need to follow instructions, what it says on the back of it. But it's just a little package of uh, forget-me-nots, Okay. And, and I want you to look around in your yard or somewhere where you'll see them often. 
And read the instructions. You can't plant them like a foot deep or anything. You've got to follow the instructions there. And you plant these, and it just says forget-me-nots. And if you, as you plant them and you see them, just like remember the resurrection of all the plants and the flowers, everything that's coming back to life right now, it reminds us of the resurrection of our Savior. Don't forget. Don't forget this resurrection power. It, it, it is life-changing, you see. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a defining moment for our history. And it's pivotal to the change that has transformed us and is still transforming us. It changes everything, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It, it really does. Uh, <coughs> Romans chapter 4, it says this. Listen to what Abraham said. It says, he dared to trust God. Oh, this is about Abraham. He, talking about Abraham, he dared to trust God to do what only God could do, raise the dead to life. With a word, make something out of nothing. Now see, Abraham, who was getting ready to sacrifice his son Isaac on the mountaintop as a sacrifice to Almighty God, and as he ro rose, you know, the, the knife, and he was getting ready, and God said, okay, don't do it, you know. But the Bible says that Abraham, who was the father of our faith, he believed that even if he had to sacrifice his son, that God could raise him back to life again. It said that. That's why he's the father of our faith. But you didn't see too many people who believed like that in the Old Testament. But now we have seen Jesus Christ rise from the dead, and that resurrection power is available to you and me. Verse 18 goes on to say, when everything was hopeless, that was for Abraham, Abraham believed anyway deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. There is no hopeless situation in life. And that's just the truth of it, folks. There's only people who grow hopeless about it. But what God tells us, it changes things. It, it really does. Imagine for a moment that you were lost out in the wilderness somewhere, you were separated from your group, and it's winter time, you know. And how important would fire be? I mean, your very life would depend upon it. If you're in Arctic conditions and you don't have any fire, but if you had fire, it changes everything. You can stay warm at night now. It would keep wild animals away from you. You could melt snow and have something to drink. You could, if there was no snow, there was a stream, you could boil water. And there's all kinds of ways that you could do that, but you could boil water and purify it. And you could cook animals, you know, if you caught some fish or something. And what I'm saying is, is that fire changes everything. How many of y'all still use fire on a regular basis? How many of you use fire today at some point in time? Uh, how did y'all get here? I mean, a lot of people don't understand this, but you put gasoline in the car or diesel, you know, and actually it, the spark plug sets it on fire. And your, your vehicle, airplanes operate the same way, you know. They, they really do. Now, somebody's going to say, well, I have an electric car. I don't use gasoline. Okay. All right. You got me, I suppose. You know. What about light bulbs? How many of y'all use light bulbs in your home? A few of you? Okay. You know. There's still a real market for candles and kerosene lanterns, I'm sure, you know. But see, light bulbs, light bulbs changes everything. You drive through Southington after the sun goes down tonight, you'll see there's light everywhere. Every home is illuminated, not to mention there's street lights everywhere, right? 
We like light, do we not? And, and it helps to remove the fear of darkness. Well, listen to what it says in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more, and he said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is the light of the world. I'm going to tell you something. Darkness did its best to extinguish the light when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross. Darkness tried to extinguish the light, but I'm going to tell you, as it was prophesied, and Jesus told them in three days, boom, they could not extinguish the light. Now, let me see here just a second. Uh, can I get y'all to turn all these lights off for just a moment? All of them. Now, y'all know I like flashlights, right? If you've been around here for any length of time, you know I love flashlights. Now, don't look at this flashlight because it will melt your eyeballs, okay? Now, don't forget, don't look at the thing, okay? All right? Oh, I'm sorry. But what I'm telling you, I like light. Even at night, we can have light. And Jesus is the light of the world. You know that. And, and not only that, here, you can turn those other lights back on. And, and, and not only that, but Jesus went on to say that you are the light of the world now. He's made a deposit within you. And light, it changes everything. It removes the fear that comes along with the darkness and stumping your toe and all the other things that go along with that. And Jesus has brought us out of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness in, into the kingdom of light, you see. Um, it says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, and this is an amazing passage. It says here in verse 11, it says, the Spirit of God. You know the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Now, I don't know if you knew that or not, but it was the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus, who turned on the power and raised Jesus from the dead. Did, did you know that? It says, for it is, it says, verse 11 says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, is that a powerful Holy Spirit or what? When all the powers of darkness and demons and devils were trying to quench the light there and cling to him, it says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead turned the power on that all of darkness and all the eternity, the world, could not quench. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. He empowered him to come back alive, and he lives in you. That's, that's pretty amazing when you think about that. And it says, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. You and I don't have to be weak and, and, and just barely survive we have access to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The resurrection power that raised him from the dead and the Holy Spirit 
who raised him, he dwells within us. It is amazing when you think about it. In me, and this little me. Now, if that kind of power dwelled in you, why would he put it in you if he wasn't going to let you access it? Listen to what the apostle says here. Well, here, let me, let me read you Romans chapter 10, verse 9 first. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's number one, and number two, you believe in your heart that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, you will be saved. Did you know that's, again, that's the conditions of getting to heaven, of having salvation, of being pardoned for your sin, to believe that Jesus is Lord and to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Those are the two ingredients that's absolutely essential. Get your name written in the book of life. Just, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the two ingredients that is so essential for you and I to access that resurrection power. Have our names written in the book of life. And, and listen to what uh, the, the apostle said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Could you read that with me? I want to know Christ. Let's read it one more time and keep going. It says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now, you got to understand this. This is not when we die and get to heaven, but that you and I can know Christ now and experience the power that raised Jesus from the dead now. You don't have to live a defeated Christian life. You can access the power of Almighty God. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. He will lead us and guide us. He empowers us to be a witness by our words, but by our lifestyle as well. He empowers us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now, the thing is, we need to be led by the spirit. When the Holy Spirit nudges us, now turn that thing off. When the Holy Spirit nudges, then we'll go this way, turn here, turn there, do this. We need to be sensitive and, and obedient there. But the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he dwells in you. That's amazing when you think about it. How important is the wheel? Did y'all use wheels to get here this morning for the most part? You know, wheelbarrows, bicycles, you know, cars and all. They got wheels. Even a lot of machinery has little wheels and little gears in there. And, and, and wheels changes everything. A lot of you wouldn't have been here if you didn't have wheels because it's too far to walk. But although wheels has changed everything, it hasn't changed this world like the resurrection of Jesus Christ has changed this world. What about glasses? Oh, wow, there's a lot of people here. What about glasses and contacts? Changes everything for a person who can't see. Does it not? But it don't change it near as much as the resurrection of Jesus Christ does. But vision is important. The Bible tells us that, that, that without vision, the people perish. Well, what about education? Is education important? <clears throat> it has the potential to change everything. Even the Bible, Hosea 4, 6, it says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, you see. But, but it doesn't change things as much as the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm going to give you one more verse. 
I've really saved the... Well, I'm just going to give you one more thought. We say the, the best for last. Forgiveness. It changes everything. When you're carrying a load of sin and shame and guilt and condemnation, it wears you out. You're tired at the end of every day. But when you know you've been forgiven, you are lighthearted. You live better. You enjoy more. And if, if you have unforgiveness towards someone else, or someone has unforgiveness towards you, I'm going to tell you, forgiveness changes everything. It genuinely does. And what I want to do, I just want to end the service now if it's a little song. And I want to let you know, and this is maybe a little bit unorthodox for some of you, but I'm going to give you the freedom. I'm not going to say any more about it, but after this, I'm going to give you the freedom. We're going to listen to this song. And if you feel so inspired that you would like to come up around the altar, stand here or kneel here, maybe do a little business with God, you just feel inspired to do so, you can feel free to do that. If you want to sit in your seat, awesome. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. And, and, and we don't care what nobody else thinks about nothing. We're talking about a relationship with God right now. We're talking about Jesus paid for our sins, and then he rose from the dead, and he's alive. And, and if he touches your heart in any way, and you want to just kind of get some things clarified here, based on listening to the words of this song, you're welcome to come up here for just a few moments, and I'm going to close this with prayer, okay?
Father, we, we come before you this day and we acknowledge your resurrection power has been released to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And you said that you would forgive us and you would cleanse us from every wrong. You said that if we're in a relationship with you, we become new creatures. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. And Lord, you've told us that we can confess our sins to you that we have gotten dirty from time to time. And Lord, I believe right now that you have cleansed every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl who's heard your word here today, who is in this building, who's watching online, who's down in the overflow. I thank you, Almighty God, for your cleansing power. And, and, and as we just continue to have our heads bowed for just a moment, I would just ask us all just to reaffirm our faith in Christ, the risen Savior. If we could just... Uh, restate uh, what we have believed and what we have stated in the past. And those who may be here today who've never welcomed Christ into your life, you, you believe in him, but, but you've never really confessed him and declared that with your mouth. And I'd ask you to join us as we pray together and, 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 and make this declaration on this awesome, fantastic Resurrection Sunday. So if you would pray with me now, out loud together, Dear Heavenly Father, I do believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I believe that he paid for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. 
and he's knocking on the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I invite Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I am sorry for my sinful ways. And I choose this day to follow Jesus and to access that resurrection power. And may it flow to me and flow out through me. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and, and let me read the connections, uh, our, our connections card real quick, and then we're going to dismiss you. And it just simply says, and if you agree to this, you just check the thing off. It says, I will be looking to God and his resurrection power. It says, I'll be looking to God and his resurrection power to change me and the things in my life this week, this, this week. I'm going to be looking to God. I'm going to be looking at resurrection power to change me this week. And guess what? If you seek, uh, what's this? If you seek, you shall find. And uh, I want to challenge those of you who, who pray to me now, maybe for the very first time. And, and, uh, and if you go to the connections desk, we got a little gift bag. It's got a Bible and some other little goodies that would inspire your faith. Take advantage of that. And uh, if you're here as our guest today, go back there. We have a, a gift for all of our guests. And, and a beautiful little gift. It's just one of our ways of saying thank you for coming. And we hope you come back. We're going to continue next week talking about, you know, this changes everything. And how to access that and apply that into our everyday lives. And uh, if you need some prayer about other issues in your life, the altar is open. And we have folks who would love to pray with you. And I'm telling you. The Holy Spirit power that resides in you. Uh, prayers still get answered in this day and time. I'm telling you the day of miracles is not over with yet. That's the truth of it. Hey, God bless you. Don't forget to get your little package of seeds on the way out. You are dismissed.